Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is the Court Today replay on C103 as we welcome you along to uh, Cork today. Miserable all morning but as I say in the weather forecast it is going to brighten up and tomorrow looks like it's going to be a good day as well and early indications for next week we're in for another nice week weather wise and I think it's making the whole lockdown a little bit easier when the weather is nice and I particularly think of the people who have been cocooning and who've been staying indoors and they're finally able to get out and have a little bit of a walk and to wake up to a morning like this morning and even yesterday afternoon uh, was pretty miserable as well for people who perhaps had planned to get out and get uh, some uh, exercise so just to let you know it is certainly going to brighten up and it is already you can already see it starting to brighten up but uh, this afternoon should be nice if you're planning on going out for a walk. Sadie and John Paul are taking your calls on this Thursday morning if there's anything you want to share with us 1850 333 103 you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and calls and texts already coming into us it funny enough is to do with people travelling around and checkpoints and people being asked what they're up to and where they are going and should they be out on the street and is it an essential uh, journey and for example Alan in Carrigaline has been on to us this morning to say at the weekend he was driving home from work and he was stopped at a guard the checkpoint he had his letter from work guard that took a look at the letter asked all the relevant questions and you know that was fine but Alan noticed while he was you know, waiting in the line to hand over his letter to get quizzed by the Gardaí, he noticed that an English registered car next to him was simply just waved on. Now, Alan said, I know that the Gardaí can't stop them. And he said, I'm not blaming the Gardaí on this. But he said, from his point of view, he thought how frustrating was it? He's going about his business, going to work on a daily basis, and he can be stopped three or four times just going to and from uh, work. And then to see English registered cars just being waved on. Again, one rule for some and difference, different for others and he's wondering have, have others noticed uh, this uh, as well and of course we've covered this on the programme because the the law that was put in place here in Ireland that allow the Gardaí to stop you at a checkpoint ask you why you're out where you're going is your journey necessary how far are you from home I mean at the weekend when Alan would have been stopped if he hadn't been coming to or from work he should have been only within two kilometres of his house unless he was going for some shopping for essential provisions now of course that's gone up to five kilometres if he's gone out to do a bit of exercise but of course the rules and regulations or oh, the law only governs people in the Republic of Ireland the Gardaí can't 
enforce the same those same laws that were put in place, those emergency powers that were put in place, they can't enforce those on people who come from overseas, be it from England, from Northern Ireland, or indeed from anywhere in, in mainland uh, Europe. So I'm assuming that that's the reason that they're not stopping people once they see it's an English registered car. They're just waving them on. But Alan fi- finding it very frustrating and wondering, did others notice it as well? I think actually John Paul was in the very same situation. He was stopped I think it was Friday he was stopped and uh, I was chatting to him and he said that there was an English card just simply waved on and he was there queuing up to hand over his paper and his letter to say. So so it has, yeah, it is. It's going on all uh, over the place and that's, as I say, if we get on to the Gardaí, that's what we will be told. They have no rights to stop and if they do stop uh, somebody from England or from the United, anywhere in the United Kingdom or Northern Ireland or anywhere in uh, Europe, they, they can't force them to only travel within five kilometres or only to make their journey if it's absolutely necessary. And then we had a lorry driver contact us to say, hi, I'm a lorry driver crossing the Irish Sea every week, go to France, the United Kingdom, etc. People are coming from Ireland and bringing diseases to France and anywhere else. And nobody seems to be saying a word about it. I'm a foreigner living in Cork County, have been for the last 30 years. Can somebody please explain to me why last last Saturday afternoon, 10 traveller families were allowed to travel from Ireland to France. None of them were wearing masks uh, and And on top of that, they were all on top of each other and they were all drinking. There was no social distancing going uh, on. Uh, I hear people giving out about people coming from France and Spain coming to this country and I'm assuming what this lorry driver is talking about was the issue we dealt with with the fishermen on the French boat the Spanish crew who came into Castletown I'm assuming that's who he's referencing uh, there I hear people giving out about that but what about Irish people who are crossing onto the continent and bringing any, anything any sort of disease or virus as in this case with them to the continent there was no checks on both sides please don't call out my name or my phone number I would prefer to remain anonymous on uh, this I'm really surprised to hear that when they arrived in France that there wasn't checks because we've seen what's been going on in in France and in Spain I mean they have been much more affected by coronavirus than we have here so I'm surprised to see that they that there's no checks going on or that people are, are being not asked to uh, self-isolate because that certainly is, is happening in other countries it's a forced self it's not even self-isolation it's a forced isolation there's many countries where you if, you, if it was a plane you were on you would get off the plane and you're brought to a hotel and you have to remain in that hotel for the two weeks and then after the two weeks you're allowed back out and I know even in this country we're changing the way we're allowing people into this country and that we're, we we're asking people to self-isolate. Initially, when the coronavirus and the pandemic reached our shores and at the very start of it, when people got off a plane or got off a ferry, they were just handed, you know, a sheet of paper talking all about coronavirus, you know, talking about the signs and symptoms, telling people that, you know, if they came down with any any of the symptoms, they would need to self-isolate. But now, of course, we have, we've changed at that and people now are being asked to self-isolate for two weeks. But you probably heard it on the news and it's making uh, front page in the Irish Independent today that a third of people arriving, who arrived in Ireland over the last six weeks, refused to hand over details of where they will be staying in order to allow authorities to confirm that they are self-isolating. New figures show hundreds of people who flew into Dublin airport during that time did not fill in the forms and there are forms that you're asked to fill in which 
asks of the person arriving in Ireland to say where they will be staying for the next two weeks in order that they can self-isolate. Now, under new rules which were introduced by the government in order to try to stop coronavirus from spreading in this country from overseas, anyone arriving in Ireland is asked to sign this. It's a passenger location form. But, according to figures in the Irish Independent today, 671 passengers refused to hand over the details to the, to the uh, authorities. There was just under 2,000 people who were mainly Irish had flown into Dublin Airport during that period. I mean, the numbers are way down. There are, there are not plane loads of people coming into this country. So under 2,000 people um, arrived and just under 1,300 of them, sorry, just under, yeah, under 2,000 arrived, of which 1,300, many, most of them were Irish people. They signed the forms, a general problem. You know, we're being repatriated, we're going home. Yes, we know all about self-isolation and yes, uh, we will uh, do that. But then it, then it turned out there was this group of people, 671 of them, who just refused and said, no, I'm not filling in that form. I'm not telling you where I'm going to be for the next two weeks. And senior government ministers are now currently drafting legislation to make it a mandatory requirement for passengers to fill in this these location forms on uh, arrival because that's the problem we can at the moment the authorities at Dublin airport are indeed if they come off the ferry can ask them nicely would you please fill in your location details for the next two weeks but if somebody decides to say no because we don't have legislation in place the authorities can't force the people. So therefore, 671 passengers got off a plane in Dublin airport in the last six weeks and went about their merry way and nobody knows if they did self-isolate or not. The public health passenger locator form, that's what it's called, has been given to all passengers arrived. You're asked to fill in uh, where and you're meant to fill it in before you leave Dublin Airport to head on to your final destination. Uh, Travellers are asked their name, their nationality and their contact uh, detail. They are then asked to self-isolate for the 14-day period and avoid contact with members of the public, especially older people. And the border management at Dublin Airport then follow up, and I'm glad to hear this, they follow up with phone calls to at least 70% of those who filled out these forms. Passengers who don't answer the initial phone call, they're followed up with repeat telephone contact. The first call from the border management is made two days after a person arrives in the country. Any passenger staying in the country for up to two weeks or more then receive a second phone call 10 days after just to ensure that they are residing in the self same address and that they are self-isolating. But in the last two months, two thirds of the people who signed the form did answer the form, which is uh, great. But 231 passengers failed to answer the phone call. So the authorities weren't able to find out if they were self-isolating or not. So we're now waiting on the government to draft this new legislation to ensure that every passenger arriving in Ireland will be required to sign the form. It's the Department of Foreign Affairs. They're drafting the new laws along with the Department of Justice, the Department of Health, the Department of Transport. A lot of departments involved in this. And then the Passenger Location Register tells everybody arriving in the country uh, that they need to stay at home 
they also tell them that they need to clean their room every day with disinfectant. They're told not to use public transport, not to travel in, in a taxi. They're also told wherever they're staying, they're not to invite people into the home. They're told to keep away from older people, anyone with a long-term medical condition, keep away from anyone who is pregnant. Now, they do say it's OK for friends our family, our delivery drivers if they want to get food uh, and other food items delivered. It's okay for them to deliver items to the room or to the house where they are staying but they're not to be invited in and they're not to have a chat and they're not to have a party or they're not to entertain people. And basically what they're asking people to do and as I say this is happening and happening successfully in other countries they're asking people arriving to act as if they have COVID-19. So for the next 14 days on arrival is as you 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 if you had COVID-19, this is what you would need to do. You would need to be self-isolating, keeping away from everybody. And that's what they're asking people arriving to do. But we now, it turns out, haven't the legislation is not in place to make it mandatory. And that's now what they are doing. We really, because I think, you know, we're doing well in this country in trying to stop the spread of uh, coronavirus. And the last thing I think we need is to have people coming into this country and spreading it. I mean, that's how it came into the country originally. It was from travel overseas. And remember at the start when the figures would be announced and Tony Houlihan would be giving details of how the person contracted the coronavirus. And in the bulk of the cases at the start, it was linked to travel or it was linked to somebody who had travelled and then passed the coronavirus on to somebody else. And it's been many weeks since we've heard Tony Houlihan refer to cases that are directly linked to travel. And we don't want to get back into that state and stage again. So it's only right and proper that people coming into this country for whatever reason, whether they're coming back and being repatriated and they're coming home, that they self-isolate for at least uh, two weeks. Now, what would that do to the tourist industry? I mean, it will get rid of the tourist industry because you can't, how would you have a holidaymaker coming who needed to self-isolate for two weeks? But if you're coming, you can't come to visit at the moment. I think it's the same for all of us. None of us are going overseas to visit for the very same reason. I mean, you know, unless you've got six weeks holidays of which you can take two weeks to self-isolate and then spend the rest of your time on holidays but there's not many people in that particular uh, situation and I thought it was interesting as well yesterday to hear the figures broken down as to the underlying health conditions because we're constantly hearing on the daily note those very sad figures that come out every day on the number of deaths that have occurred in say the last 24 hours and they and Tony Houlihan will then say how many of them had an underlying health condition and I know last week we had a call in from somebody saying what are the underlying health conditions do we know what they are you know what percentage of them say were patients who had cancer and uh, what percentage were their patients that had asthma was that the underlying health condition so it was very interesting yesterday for the first time that Dr Tony Houlihan provided some insight into the type of conditions that those who are hardest hit by the infection are suffering from. Heart disease turns out to be the most common underlying health condition in coronavirus patients admitted to hospital intensive cares and that's right across the country. And this was an analysis done of the first 327 of the sickest patients with the virus. It revealed that half of them had a chronic heart 
disease. Then chronic respiratory disease was the second uh, highest and then the third highest was patients with uh, diabetes. Fourth on the list was obesity and then the fifth on the list was people suffering from uh, asthma. A further group were from cancer and then the bottom group were suffering from uh, chronic kidney disease. So it was interesting just to look at the underlying illnesses that we're hearing so much about that then then is going on to give a higher risk of complications. Let's say it was the first time that Tony Tony Houlihan provided us with that kind of, uh, of an insight. But it's heart disease is the most common underlying health condition in coronavirus patients admitted into uh, intensive care. Also, I think the standout moment yesterday from Dr. Tony Houlihan was when he said, if yesterday, which was what the 6th of May, he said, if yesterday was the 18th of May, which is the day that people are looking forward to at the start of the country opening back up, he said, if today yesterday was May 18th the country would not be ready to enter phase one of the post lockdown but he said he's still hopeful that everything will go according to plan but he said as of yesterday we are not ready to uh, reopen and of course the figures for yesterday 37 uh, deaths what are we now at? 1,375 lives have been lost due to uh, coronavirus and then there was 265 additional diagnosed new cases so we're now at 22,246 he said there is a persistently high volume of newly affected people emerging from the community and what's really telling here it is mainly from younger people so you're wondering are younger people because younger people I think the message younger people are hearing oh if we get coronavirus we'll be fine and sure it doesn't affect you you can have it and you don't even have symptoms and it's a disease of older people and we're not really worried about that and because of that you would be fearful that younger people are just not abiding by the restrictions that are in place I mean we only on Monday or Tuesday we were hearing of people reporting that they heard of house parties that were going on in their area they saw people being we had one listener contacted to say a house uh, near where she lives she said there was a constant stream of taxis people arriving with slabs of beer and, and drink and there was a house party going on until the small hours of the morning so I don't know if young people are just getting a bit weary of the lockdown and therefore they're starting to meet up in groups of people and could that be the reason why the there is now newly infected people emerging in the community, mainly amongst young people. We're going to need to hammer home that message, I think, to young people. And the number of patients in intensive care, that's another figure that I'm constantly watching because that's an important figure. That's dropped again. It's gone, it's down at 86, which is, that is certainly a good news. But... A further 196 residents or staff in long-term facilities have tested positive. They included 160 people in nursing homes, which have seen nine more clusters develop. So we still have a job of work to do in our nursing homes and a job of work to do in long-term facilities, residential facilities, particularly for people with uh, disabilities. So we're getting there slowly but surely. But there are pockets where where we need to work on and we need to make sure that we can contain the coronavirus cases that are there and make sure that we don't have any further outbreak. But we need to get the message certainly across to the younger generation. This is on travel and people being allowed coming into this country. Now, there isn't that many. There isn't 
plain loads of people coming in but those that have come in are asked to fill in a form to say where they're going to be for the next two weeks and it turns out we now need legislation uh, because some 671 passengers refused to hand over their contact details to authorities at the, it was at Dublin airport I don't know what it's like at Cork airport there's so few flights though in and out of uh, Cork airport and says but isn't the reason for stopping people travelling is that not to stop the spread of the virus I can't understand the stupidity of the government in allowing people to come in from England it was like the Cheltenham fans remember that people were giving out about people going to Cheltenham but they went anyway and what what happened since people picked up the virus while they were there and then brought it at home somebody else says there is a no-nonsense approach on entry into Australia we are entitled to do the same but now we're talking about we need to have legislation in place doesn't make sense to me we should be simply allowed to do it but I suppose it's down to our constitution and we have a different constitution to the one that they have in Australia but you are right in Australia you get off the plane and you're put into a hotel you can't leave that hotel room for two weeks now obviously the, at the moment I think the Australians are only leaving Australia there's, there's very few flights in and out of the country but this was at the start of the coronavirus that's what they did with returning emigrants you know people who were coming back to Australia who wanted to get home for the duration of the pandemic but it also was for people who at the time were still visiting two weeks you put into a hotel room and you're there and you cannot leave that hotel room until your two weeks are uh, up. And this, thank you to the member from Garda Corner who was sent in this text. This is for the people who are giving out about being stopped at checkpoints and having to hand over your letter and explain where you're going and what you're doing. And it was one of our listeners uh, Alan in Carrigaline saying he's stopped three or four times coming to and from uh, work and he was in, in particular he was talking about how an English reg car UK reg car was waved on and kind of annoyed him that he had to stand or wait in his car and hand over his letter to, to the guard and get questioned as to where he was going and what he was doing that prompted a, a member of a guard that she called and say Trish I am a guard there working on one of those 12 hour checkpoints I'm a woman We must stand in the same spot asking the same question to every single driver. I must listen to the lies and accept knowing that some of them are outright lies. The verbal abuse I've received has at times made me cry. I stand 12 hours. I'm not able to drink water as I've no access to a toilet. Asking my male colleague to drive me 10 minutes to a toilet that's the only way if I want to use the loo. I'm human too. Listeners complaining about being stopped for three minutes maximum by a member from Garda Shikona really annoys me. Stand there for 12 hours with no toilet breaks eating a bread roll while sitting in the ditch to simply try to get a rest. You're afraid to drink water for fear you might need to go to the toilet. You also have to stand in full PPE in the heat, uh, the heat that everybody else is enjoying. Yet I have to stand there for a full uh, 12 hours. Well, and that's the reason that our members of Angarda Siakon are part of our frontline team. So have sympathy, guys, if you are stopped again. And rather than losing your cool, and please don't verbally abuse the member from Garda Siakona who's only out there doing their duty and they're trying to keep us all uh, safe. Shameful to think that anyone would verbally abuse somebody in a position like that. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls, 1850 John is wondering will others agree with him on this. He thinks trolleys at supermarkets should not be chained together at the moment, particularly during the pandemic. Most of the trolleys will either take a two euro coin or a one euro coin. But as people are being advised to pay by card, 
a lot of people, and this can happen, I hadn't thought about this, a lot of people are not dealing with cash anymore and you may not have a one or a two euro coin with you, which then means you've got to go into the checkout, checkout to try to get change in order to remove the trolley. John feels that supermarkets just for the pandemic should take all the chains off the trolleys. Would others agree? Thank you for that. John by text to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. And thanks to uh, Claude, our contact in the programme. She said it's a tough call on leaving cert students at the moment. I think after this whole thing, the pandemic is over. The Leaving Cert and the way our Leaving Cert operates in this country will have to be looked at and will have to be changed. It should be an ongoing assessment of work done throughout the year. The Leaving Cert is too way too much unnecessary stress especially now as we live through a pandemic. And actually we're going to be discussing the Leaving Cert and the uncertainty surrounding the Leaving Cert and we'll be discussing that later on in the programme today if there are any Leaving Cert students listening at the moment or parents of Leaving Cert students uh, we will welcome your calls and comments on that later on. Now according to the Irish Hairdressers Federation the opening of hair salons and barbers should be brought forward to avoid a surge in black market services. Joining me to get the views of one of Cork's best known barbers is Mick Moriarty who owns the Baldy Barber in Blackpool. Good morning to you Mick. How are you? I'm very well and you're very welcome to the programme. Do you you believe that there is a growing black market trade uh, going on with some even operating behind closed doors? Oh yes, big time, big time. It's going on wholesale and has been spotted in three different barber shops in Cork. Uh, And also, like I mean, the house calls are unbelievable. I actually, only 20 minutes ago before you came on the air, I got a message, uh, would I be available to do a haircut? And I said, no, I'm sorry. I said, I'm closed since the 14th of March. And unfortunately, there are people going out there cutting hair. And uh, the, the future is looking very, very dim for uh, barbers and for customers. And the same with ladies' hairdressing. Because what's going to happen there is that they won't be able to work at full force anymore. If you had four chairs before, Patricia, mm-hmm. you might only have two chairs now working. So about you are uh, three, possibly three. You have to be 1.5 metres away from each other. Yeah. The customer and the, the barber or the hairdresser. And so if you have a small shop, you most certainly won't have three or four people walking inside in the same place. Now, they're, they're also saying that a face, uh, the, the, what they call it, the shield won't uh, be good enough on its own, that you'll have to wear a mask as well. In Germany, they're wearing, the barbers are wearing white um, suits, plastic suits. Like a boiler suit, yeah. A boiler suit. They're almost in full PPE gear. They have the face, they have the mouth mask and they have the face shield down over it. That's right. I read it this morning at 7 o'clock. It was sent in to me by people in in, in our industry and what they call it. I was also talking to a girl in Spain yesterday. They went back on Monday and there's normally four of them working together. So now what they're doing is there's two in the morning and two in the evening. So that means that the shop is down 50% of the business. See, it, it won't be financially viable for some shop. For Quite some, correct. Yeah. In, in Germany, the haircuts are up to 50 euro for a man for a haircut. Whoa. Yeah. And that's gone up. 
that's, that's gone up. It wasn't always that. No, yeah. no, it was a bit, normally about thirty five euro for a haircut in, in Germany. And that and that isn't barber shops trying to oh I'll make a fast. No, book. no, no, that's no. That's them no. just trying to stay in business. It's quite correct. Whoa. I mean all you can see. Look at look at Beulies now yesterday. Gone. Yeah, gone. 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 Anyone who's renting, anyone who's renting is in the height of trouble. Yeah. I mean, it is unbelievable. But uh, my, my friend in Spain told me, she said, it, it was horrific. She was trying to walk, she said, you know, and they had just, they had just uh, disposable gowns on themselves and all that kind of thing. But, like, it's heartbreaking, she said. Uh, also, another thing that is that they're trying to bring in as well, that um, every haircut must be washed. So, like, in barbering, Patricia, it's nearly all dry cuts because, yeah, yeah. like, 75% of people are showering every day. Yeah. I mean, and then the young people are very conscious of their, of, of their body at the moment for in, in the, compared to 40 years ago. You know, they all shower every morning, they go gymming and they go swimming and all that kind of thing. And in fairness, they are very, very clean. But like, now it all depends what the new government will bring in and the HSE. See, there's nothing will happen yet until we have a new government. Yeah, and the, this thing of the 20th of uh, July, Mick, yes. are you with the Irish Hairdressers Federation in saying you should open sooner? Uh, I, I I think myself personally, um, I, I thought up to up to yesterday before that we could do it and do it after the June weekend. Yeah. But we're not ready. I have yeah. to say that now. Because Germany are saying now that there could be another breakout in October, November. Now, if that happens, Patricia, we're better off to wait until the 20th of July and prepare properly for the next 18 months. Because and this, this, is, is, what, this what, is going to last yeah, for 18 months. Until we have a vaccine. Let's, like, yes, let's that's, be honest. That's, that's right, is, in the story. And people, then businesses have to adapt and you reckon some will adapt and survive, but some just won't survive. No, I wouldn't think so. I would not think so. Like, I have, I have four stations inside my barbershop and four will work together and have another eight or nine seats waiting. You know, grow banter, chat around, hello mm. Johnny, hello Mick, how's the golf going, how's the football, blah, 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 and he look on the horses. But like, you turn around now, you can only have three waiting. So that'll, yeah, leave and change the atmosphere yeah. in, inside. And a person comes to the door and I say, I'm sorry, John, you can't walk in. And he says, what? And you're not going to tell me what to do in the story. Going to and barbershops um, make differ from hairdressers in that you don't book appointments. Well, a lot of, actually, a lot of the young people today in barbering have, uh, what to call it, um, appointments. Oh, do they? Okay. Oh, they do. They do. Yeah. They do. A lot of them are doing that. But I've never done an appointment. Now, if, if I would often oblige a person by going to work at half at seven in the morning. Yeah. And I would say to a guy, I'll see you there at half at seven. Yeah. But if Johnny down the road is at the door before you, and he sits and she's in the door before you. You're second. You won't be first. I know. I don't have an appointment. Yeah. I don't charge for that kind of service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and another thing is that, Patricia, is that they don't want any more cash. They want to pay uh, by card, mm-hmm. which is a, which is going to be a complete disaster as well for, for, for everybody because not everybody have cards. I, the, I, I don't have a card system. Yeah, and, there, and there, there's a cost involved to you for getting that in, isn't there? There is. Yeah, there you do decide and, and to do so, that. I, there's so many things. That, I, I've been talking to people in our business now up and down the country for the last uh, few days and um, there are so many d- different card payments and you're, you're contracted for uh, 12 months or 18 months and you can't get out of it yeah. and, you're, and you're paying big money uh, every every month to, to, the, to the, these people, to the banks. 
and uh, and it's costing. And it's, and it's unnecessary when you when you're a business at all. It is. In, in, in cash. Yeah, thirteen euro, the, and 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 the, Mr. Murphy up the road there is a, is a pincher, and you know you're looking after him in the story. Thank you very much. And you have two or three kids. You're trying to keep our prices right for everybody. Yeah. You know, I mean. This is going to be horrific. Like, I mean, does the black that, market side of it uh, hugely annoy you? The fact that does, you that you does. know some are, are doing it under the counter. It does because I tell I was getting my papers yesterday morning, the echo and the examiner. I get them every day. Still, even though there's pick all inside them at the moment, anyway, they're as thin as my legs. But um, what they call it? Uh, the guy behind the the the, the, the counter said he said, "Got a grand haircut you got." He says, "I could do with one." And when he turned her, he said that is one of his local barbers does the haircut. Not in Ballincolly, not where I live. Yeah. But um, he turned around and said, ah, hello, Mick. And he got raged. Yeah. No, he's not a customer of mine. He's not I a customer know, of mine, I know. But obviously, it's going on. And I, you know yourself, Patricia. Like, you, you look at it and you can see whether it's a professional haircut. Or a house haircut. Yeah, you know it's true. You would, of course. And people, bless their hearts, are doing well in trying to, particularly the children trimming the fringes. Oh, and just, they are. You know, yeah. I mean, people are trying, trying to do, yeah. to do their... But, like, certainly we've had calls, um, and not just standing total calls, we've had calls in from people saying <laughs> they've spotted hairdressers going into people's houses. Like oh, people, there's, there's a home service. has. But then some hairdressers, I mean, I don't know whether they're being put under pressure by some of their customers. Oh, they are. Yeah, and the person will say to them, um, I was, I've spoke to people that I know in the trade as well, in the hairdressing, and they said, look, such a person rang me up, they said, look, you, you're going to lose myself and my two daughters if you don't look after us. Oh. Which is the other side of it. Yeah, But yeah. you do realise what, what, what they're leaving, I mean, the person going into the into the house could have, have the virus. This is it. This this is the, this, this, people don't realise it. This is it. And then, you know, the danger when when you hear... The numbers going up again yesterday, and they're that's saying right. now that the the newly affected people are emerging from the community. Many of them are young people. That's right. They're saying that. You know, I just listened there a while ago to yourself there about what uh, Tony Hoolan said there that if it was the 18th of May, we wouldn't be open. We wouldn't be open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and these are the medical people, you know. But all I say to the people, uh, the young people, and the old people, is that try and keep your your hair tidy because underneath your hair, the skin, yeah, and, and the skin will get very irritable. And if we get into hot weather, please God, because it's miserable and cocky yesterday and today, and it's lovely up the country. But if if the weather gets good, I mean, people are going to be sweating, perspiring in the story, and they need to look after themselves somewhere, you know? Yeah, OK. But you're looking, we're definitely not going to see a hairdresser or a barber officially open before, not, before not July 20th. I believe someone up the country got fined between 1,000 and 1,500 for uh, doing haircuts. A lady's hairdresser. Well, they got caught. Well, they did. And plus, the fact is that the people who are asking the people to do the jobs, Patricia, they're forgetting one thing. If they're caught, they're going to lose the 350 euro coronavirus money. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, I do your haircut, and I say, that's going to be 15 euro. I said, you throw me 20. And all of a sudden, oh, who did it? McMoriarty. And suddenly, your COVID 19 plan. No, I'm, I'm getting nothing because I'm over age. But oh. my poor staff are getting paid. Yeah, yeah. And thank God, I'm delighted for them. You know, but like, and people have to get something. Now, I I still think that uh, the, the government got it wrong with the with the with the COVID payment because some people are only getting doing two days part time and maybe uh, hundred eighty euro, and now they're getting three fifty. We we listen when this first came out when the payments was first made. We were contacted by a mother who's. Daughter is a student in third level, first year student, and she has a day a Saturday job 
Yes. 70 euro and she's yes, great helping, helping her pay towards her college fees and all that and she said she's gone from 70 to 350 euro which yeah, yeah. made no sense that's right absolutely no sense and then you do it's a thing called common sense like they most certainly didn't sit down and do look at this and another thing you're going to back to our job Patricia is this is that if the HSE come in and make standards and rules right yeah now rules can be broken but if they make regulation that is law it's going to be a different game altogether because someone will walk in with a pair of spectacles on them and they'll say, I want this, this and this and they don't have a clue about hairdressing. They're saying that the Health and Safety Authority are going to be the ones who'll be doing spot checks on all, not just hairdressers, all business, retail stores and, and whatever. But that's a good point because coming in and assessing inside in a shop could be very different to assessing what goes on in a barber shop or what goes on in a, in, in a beautician's. Quite correct, quite correct. But it's like, unless a person... Look, it's, it's like somebody said there, how could a teacher run the country? Because what do they know about finance? Like, it's, 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 a, diff- it's a different thing altogether. You must have a medical person, a medical background for this kind of thing. And, like, these people were involved in hairdressing at all, at all. Mm. I mean, the ladies' hairdressing, the chemicals that are involved today, yeah, yeah, it has yeah. been for years and years. Like, how many people have claimed off a hairdresser's over the, long, the, the wrong applications. Yeah. You know, and that's And Camille, you know, how is how are you getting on with lockdown? How are you, are you coping with it? Are well, you bored? I, live, I live here in West Court Heights in Ballincollig and yeah. uh, I, I, I'm around the estate. Yeah. And my daughter bought me uh, one of these watches for counting my steps. <laughs> <laughs> how, many, I, how many a day are you doing? Well, I did 15,400 one day. Oh, I'm impressed. I'm sorry to say now, but I, I did break the, the guidelines. I, I, I went around the place about five times, six times. Did you? I did, did, yeah. Right, you know, but I, I'm, I, I'm not doing too bad. I'm trying, well to get, I'm trying to get ready for my golf in Bandon. Ah, that's going to be I the big one. I'd say hello to all the people in Bandon and Cork, back, Sherry, that I, that I know, but I miss my own golf on a Tuesday and Thursday bit off. So many people miss the golf, but hope sooner rather than later. Listen, Please Nick, God. it was a pleasure as always. Stay safe and God we'll talk you. again. You Take care. Stay safe to everybody below there. Bye bye, bye 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 bye. That is uh, Mick Moriarty, uh, who runs the Baldy Barber in Blackpool. And somebody says, "Tis a vaccine for stupidity that's needed." The stupidity of doing somebody's hair while the pandemic is going on are the stupidity of asking a professional and expecting a hairdresser to do it for you. Utter stupidity. Will we ever get a vaccine for stupidity? That came in by text to 0862 103 103. Cork Today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Before heading out to the shops, you should plan ahead. The Irish Global Health Network has advised that you should reduce the frequency of your shopping trips. So think, do you need to go shopping today? Avoid shopping in groups, and where possible, you should avoid taking your children with you. Take your own shopping bags, and if possible, put items directly into the bags and avoid contact with baskets or trolleys. If using a basket or trolley to shop, sanitize its handle. It is not recommended that you wear disposable gloves, as they can give you a false sense of security. Try to use your non dominant hand to pick goods up and avoid touching your mouth, nose or eyes. And remember, retail staff are working in extremely challenging circumstances, so let's treat them with respect. Stay safe. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax 
and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your thoughts coming in reacting to Mick Moriarty, the Baldy Barber, who joined us in the last hour, just talking about hairdressing and barbers shops and the, uh, the amount of people that we're hearing about and from who are putting pressure on hairdressers and barbers to cut their hair and how it's gone sort of uh, on the black market now. People are getting their hairs done, but people are putting a lot of pressure on hairdressers and barbers as well, which is a little bit unfair. Uh, Hi, uh, says Pat. How is Mary Harney looking after her hair when she's off and all the hairdressers are closed? Once upon a time, she spent a lot of money on her hair. Oh, she did indeed. She did indeed. Uh, someone else says, they are drawing COVID-19 payments. These are hairdressers and barbers who are currently out of work and and yet they're cutting hair at the same time. We will never get out of this lockdown the way some people are carrying on. And some just don't seem to realise how serious all of this is. And by the way, the man from Carrigaline who was complaining about being stopped by a member from Garda, Shikona, on his way to and from work, should be thankful that he has a job to go to. Many people don't have a job to go to at the moment. And somebody else says on hairs and looking after your hair in the pandemic, men can buy a good pair of hair shears and do their own hair while a good pair of scissors a female be well able to trim their own fringe then pin up the rest um, there are we have to put lives before pride and business for now post vaccine we will all get to go to our hair salons again we just need to look after our family and all of us need to do the right thing at the moment and not be putting yourself at any risk or indeed putting the hairdresser at any risk people just need to cop on a little bit and people travelling morning Patricia I heard of a woman from Kildare coming to Cork to see her friend and stayed overnight to make it worse I think they're all I think it was so selfish of her to do that after all when you look at Kildare. Kildare is the second highest place in the country for cases of coronavirus with Cork being third. Um, the likes of her 
are going to keep coronavirus spreading. I wonder what lies did she tell to members of Angarda the Siakona as she made her way down the country from Kildare to uh, Cork. OK, I'll leave your text for a moment and I will get back to them because I want to move to a completely different issue. From the 20th of May this year, it will be an offence for manufacturers to produce menthol cigarettes and for retailers to sell menthol cigarettes here in Ireland and indeed across the rest of the European Union. John Mallon is spokesperson for the smokers group Forest Island who are opposed to the ban and John joins me. Good morning to you John. Good morning Patricia, thank now, you for the invite. Well thank you for joining us. Background here, where is this ban coming from? I, I actually don't remember uh, the justification for picking on menthol. Um, you know if you, if you think about any of the products that we buy that we consume like foods for example have flavouring um, vaping, which is something I'm doing at the moment, uh, is, is is absolutely is led by by flavours, all the the various flavours and so on. In cigarettes, really, the only flavour uh, flavouring to to tobacco was was benthol, and there was some I don't know some uh, idiotic justification years ago for this, but uh, it's something that was th- this legislation was back and forth several times over the last seven or eight years. But it, we thought it very important, maybe, to let smokers know. I hadn't realised myself um, that up to 25% of all cigarettes sold in this country are menthol. As high as that? As high as that, yeah. I, I, because I'm of an age where menthol, to me, means consulate cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. Sort of yeah. 40 years ago. Yeah. You know? um, and but now there's so many different brands of menthol. There are menthol. so many, many different brands. And I was amazed at the amount of them. One shop I was in, out of seven brands, four of them were menthol. Um, so if the HSE figures are correct, that means uh, there'll be a quarter of a million smokers out there. Affected by this ban. Affected by the, and do, do, time. do smokers of menthol cigarettes find it difficult to smoke normal cigarettes? I don't know the answer to that, Patricia, because I've never been one myself. But I, if you think about it, for example, um, people develop uh, habits, you know, for example, buying your meat, you go to a certain butcher because you believe they have the best meat or whatever. Or, you you know, for, for drinkers, the, the stout drinkers always swear by their Murphy or their Beamish or the Guinness. Um, and, and that's what they take. Now, if, if stout were banned, would they all suddenly turn around and, 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 uh, and buy lager? I, I genuinely don't know. Uh, what I do know... Um, is that there has been a big move away from boxes of cigarettes due to price to roll cigarettes, because mm. uh, rolls are, are far cheaper. Uh, now, they're messy and so on, they're difficult to get used to, but they are they are a far cheaper alternative. And, of course, um, there's menthol tobacco there. Uh, that will be banned. And if you notice in the ban, uh, manufacturers can't make menthol cigarettes, shops can't sell them, but uh, it is not illegal for, for, for um, smokers to buy them. So the question what? then is, no, well, it's not, it's not illegal to buy them. Now, they won't be available in the shops. Okay. But you can be absolutely sure uh, that the black market will have them. I mean, it's, it's timely. Only yesterday, 8.4 million cigarettes were discovered in Dublin port. And the revenue commissioners tell us that they only they only get about 10% of what gets through. Well, that's to do with the cost of cigarettes, isn't it? That's to do with the cost yeah, of them. But yeah. um, for smokers out there who are uh, rolling menthol cigarettes, uh, you 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 will not be able to get um, uh, the, the 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 packaging uh, that has a capsule or or, uh, or or menthol papers, but you can buy those separately and still make your own. 
So the menthol filters that you can buy at the moment, they'll, they'll still be available, is that what you're saying? As long as they're separate, you can't you Can't, can't buy it in a pack, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You, so you'd be buying ordinary tobacco and then you'd be buying these filters separate or paper, for example, or there's this capsule that you can insert in, in, in the roll of cigarette and it gives you the menthol flavour. Could the ban be used as a way for people to quit? You see, if people want to quit smoking, I know this from my own self, uh, if people want to quit, they'll make their decision, they'll pick their date and they'll get ready for it and they'll quit. If they don't, they'll continue smoking. And we have a million people in the country who continue to enjoy smoking. And, and the, the worry about it is it's at this particularly stressful time. The pandemic, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. cigarette has always been... I can remember cigarettes um, at times of great stress, you know, family members dying or very important you know, threats to, 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 to livelihood or family. It's at times like that you tend to grab the cigarette and light it up and go and think uh, about things. Now, this pandemic uh, is stressful for all of us. And I, I think it's just, I think it's wrong that extra stress has to be heaped on smokers at this time. But I suppose they, when they picked the date of the 20th of May, they, they weren't know. to know that there was to be a pandemic. Do, do you, I mean... Are people aware of this ban? I was unaware of this yeah, exactly. until until we got the documentation in, in from you. I mean, is it is it something that's just coming in that people are suddenly going to find out when they go to the shops? Exactly. I, and and yeah. you'll probably hear it on the day. I know that um, I'm in Mayfield and a couple of the shops here have been advising regular customers for the menthol cigarettes that they, they won't be allowed to sell them. <coughs> but, but again, it was part of putting out this, this press release was to try to, to advise. I mean, a quarter of your... Uh, listeners will be smokers and a quarter of those will be menthol smokers so it's it's if, if you like just letting them know that it's yeah, coming down yeah. the line and maybe perhaps if, if there are some local TDs listening um, they might consider just uh, putting this off uh, until the pandemic has passed uh, it, it's going to go into law you know that that, that uh, fight is, is over it's going to become law but, but it's just the timing of it is a bit it, yeah, it's yeah. all wrong yeah. Yeah. alright okay John listen thank you for that and thanks for highlighting it thank you Patricia thanks for joining us that is John Mallon, who is with the Smokers Group Forest Ireland, just warning people if you are a smoker of menthol cigarettes from the 20th of May, you won't be able to get them anymore. 1850 Let me go to some of your texts coming in. Madge says, what financial help is available for a foreign student stranded here? Uh, phone home see if they can get help from home failing that if they don't have anyone who can financially help them out at home I would suggest if they're a student can they get onto their university I don't know what type of a student you're talking about uh, Madge and of course their embassy get onto their embassy they certainly if you were stranded if you were an Irish person stranded in another country an embassy would be the first place I would be going to for any kind of help and uh, advice for the listener who suggested that all of the trolleys we should get rid of all the chains and all of the trolleys it was John he was making the point that with more and more people being encouraged to use cards and not carry cash when you go to the supermarkets some people are getting caught that when they go to get the trolley they don't have a one or a two euro coin somebody said just to let you know if you're ever stuck for a one or a two euro coin you can use the head or the rounded side of most keys you must try that and it fits in so take a key off your key ring and 
it should fit into the trolley. What I have actually is one of those, you know, the coins and I have it on my key ring, one of those little disc things. They're really, really good. And actually I got, it was the Credit Union in Mallow. I got, I think they bought it out for International Credit Union Day. It was, it's a little plastic one and it's double sided. So it's like a two euro side on one and a one euro one on the other and it clips onto my key ring. Really, really handy if you can get your hands out on one of those. But it is a problem for people who are not dealing with cash if they get to the trolley they may not have the one or two euro coin remember the Garda who contacted us just trying to put forward how difficult it can be to be on a 12 hour shift at one of those checkpoints stopping traffic and asking people where they're going particularly like last weekend for Operation Fanock coming well ran right across last week for the Maybank holiday weekend but she was just putting forward how difficult it can be for toilet breaks she just doesn't drink water during the 12 hours for fear that she, she needs to go to the loo because they don't have any toilets somebody says that that Garda Siakona should demand a porter loo um, and that she shouldn't be or indeed any of the other members of Garda Siakona shouldn't be demeaned with this listener says archaic conditions Em- employers in your case are the state they should be um, supplying you with uh, portaloos even though I don't know realistically how could you have a portaloo every time there's a checkpoint for Gardaí I don't think that would actually be possible but there's got to be some other way around it or breaks factored in to the day I mean it seems crazy that somebody's in a position where they're afraid on a very hot day in full uniform that they're afraid to drink have any kind of a drink for fear that they might need to go to the loo. It just sounds shocking conditions indeed. Eileen says, Patricia, this Friday was National Guide Dog Street Collection Day, but obviously on account of COVID-19, that's not happening. Could you ask your listeners, please, to text the word WOFF, W-O-F-F, to 50300. And by doing that, you donate €4 Euro to the Irish Guide Dogs. You can also donate online, www.guidedog.com. Dot .ie and you can send money that way uh, as well. They are in need of donations. God knows so many organisations have had to have their fundraising cancelled and, and yet their work continues. It's going to cause huge, huge problems uh, going forward. Some of your calls coming into the programme. Liam says, I know of a man over 70. He's driving over the five kilometre limit just to go to another beach every day to go for a swim and he's flaunting it in front of the Gardaí. Now, now Lee, if that man, and I don't know if he's been cocooning or not uh, for the last six or seven weeks, if he's travelling a little bit beyond the five kilometres in order to go for a nice swim and he's not putting in a route with anyone and he's not meeting up with anybody else, I see absolutely nothing wrong with it at all and I'm sure if he did get stopped by the Gardaí and he said he was a bit beyond the 5k and he said he's going for a swim, I'm assuming they'd say, I'm on your way and enjoy the swim. Uh, really, you know, we can get very nitpicky and start pointing fingers at everyone. I think it's terrific that a man over 70 is going swimming every day and long may he continue to be able to go swimming every day. But thank you for your call, Liam. John in Mitchellstown says the people that are coming in from abroad and not providing an address to the authorities at Dublin Airport to tell the people where they will be isolation, they should be put back on the plane immediately and sent back out of this country. And Eileen also on this says it should be mandatory that every person entering this country should have some sort of a doctor's cert to say that they don't have the coronavirus. So force them all to have testing done before they actually come into this country. Patty from Moy says in relation to the comments about people seeing 
others driving around in English registered cars and the Gardaí not stopping them. Pat says, did you ever stop and think that a number of those people have actually moved over here for the duration of the pandemic? Many of them have holiday homes. They arrived before the lockdown and they're staying now and they're actually residents of this country for the duration of the pandemic and Pat obviously knows some of them and he said they are abiding by the same rules and regulations as the rest of us. So be careful when you start judging people. And Tom in Gormack says we should stop this social distancing now and just let people get on with things and take the chance <laughs> really Tom God I hope that stays fine for you you're saying that everybody just take the chance of getting coronavirus and that's all well and good if you're fit and healthy and you don't get a particularly bad strain of the coronavirus but what if you're an older person or you're in the at risk group or what if you are a carer and you pick up the coronavirus and then who, how is that care? Who's going to look after the person they're caring for? I really can't see us ever and I hope we never get to the stage where the government would say, that's it, it's all finished now, just go out. We're not going to do any more. Stop all the social distancing and let everybody just take their chances. I hope we never, ever get to that uh, stage for sure. Okay, 1850-333-103. Some of your WhatsApps coming in. Mary, hi Patricia, my car insurance is with Aviva due for renewal soon. I see online where other insurance companies are refunding some money due to cocooning etc. People not using their cars as much as we did before the pandemic. Are they bound by law to give a refund to uh, consumers who are not working or cocooning, says Mary? No, they're not. No, they're not. It's it's a voluntary thing. It was They kind of got shamed into doing it, I think, more than anything. It was Pascal O'Donoghue, our finance minister, came out Particularly after the health insurance company started offering refunds, Pascal Donoghue then put his focus onto the motor insurance companies and said, come on, guys, start giving uh, refunds. But it's, it's, it's not mandatory. It's a, it's, a, it's a voluntary thing on behalf of the car insurance companies. I'm open to correction, but I'm nearly sure that Aviva is one of the only companies not issuing refunds at all. Other companies are issuing them. They're very small refunds, I have to say. We only last week we spoke about them with the Consumers Association who described the refunds as insulting. We had somebody contact us who are with Liberty Insurance. I think €23 they got back by way of a refund. And I'm sure I read somewhere that one of the companies was offering all for one vouchers instead of issuing cheques. Because obviously the issuing of cheques there's a cost involved in that so they were giving it all for one vouchers instead. But no, uh, Mary, they don't have to. And Aviva, unfortunately, is one of the companies that's not giving out not giving out refunds at the moment. Somebody says all chains are off all the trolleys and they're all sanitised. No, they're not. I've been, every single supermarket I've been in, I've had to put my coin in and get the chain out. So you can't say that every, obviously the one you're shopping in have decided to take the chains off but they're not off all uh, trolleys. Patricia, it's hard to believe, says this texture, that the government are trusting passengers who are arriving in Ireland to self-isolate and to do it on a voluntary basis. It's obvious. The passengers refusing to hand over their details at Dublin Airport are certainly not planning on self-isolating. All it will take for our numbers to spiral again is for one person infected with the virus to arrive and start spreading it around the country. This is a pandemic and anyone who arrives in this country should be made to accept all the rules and regulations are if they don't agree with them they should be sent home on the next plane otherwise we are simply 
wasting our time self-isolating and doing everything that we are trying to uh, do. Thank you for that. By WhatsApp, a different Mary says, hi Patricia. I happened to hear a hotelier from Ennis been interviewed yesterday. He relies a lot on American tourists staying in his hotel and as expected the virus has wiped out his trade for this summer. But he also said he didn't expect anything either for 2021. So his plan is to get ready for the next season. The next season for him he reckons for a tourist season would be 2022. And that's when he expects his business to pick up again. Mary says, this really shocked me as I fear for jobs and all of the suppliers who deliver to all of these uh, hotels. Yeah, the hospitality sector are really going to struggle, certainly. I think if we manage to get the country some way reopened by, say, the 10th of August, there may be a chance of, and then if we got like a nice Indian summer, say September proved to be nice, there may be a chance for August and September for a bit of a pickup in the tourist market. But it will be staycationers. It will be up to us, uh, those of us in a position to go away on holidays, to have a holiday here in Ireland. And... And the hope would be that the tourist industry will make some money. But certainly this year is a complete... Gone are the days that I'm thinking about what kind of a profit we're going to make out of this summer season. They're certainly not going to be making profits. But if hopefully they can make some kind of money in this year and then you would hope that it would build more next year. But the American trade, yeah, or any overseas trade, only time uh, will tell. But he's probably planning for the future and when the business picks up properly for him to be back in profit. But he probably is right when he says uh, 2022. And I know there's a lot of talk about the hospitality sector and, um, and I would be very aware of West Cork how beautiful West Cork is and how much of that area relies, relies on hospitality. I know we're looking at doing something about that on the programme. There, there is the push now that the hospitality sector, what, well, there's one call today, for example, for a zero VAT rate to, be, to give the hospitality industry some kind of a fighting chance of survival. I know the Junior Tourism Minister, Brendan Griffin, has been talking about that. He's suggesting that the government give he, he, he was also the one that suggested the extra bank holiday. I don't know if you heard about this earlier. Uh, the Junior Minister for Tourism, Brendan Griffin, said we need if we could have an extra bank holiday he say, sees that as part of a rescue package and you know in the hope that it would give a speedy recovery for the tourist uh, because a speedy recovery for the tourist industry as he says is unlikely. So an extra bank holiday would be welcomed. I mean the May bank holiday was gone for them. I'm assuming the June one will be gone. The August one will probably be gone as well. So maybe looking at something in September, maybe put shoving an extra bank holiday there and if we've got nice weather around it, it might just give a little bit of an injection to the tourist uh, industry. But a lot of people very, very worried and a lot of people within the tourist industry very worried about it. And Mary is right. The knock-on then to businesses that supply into the tourist industry has to be added into it as well. It's not just the hotels and the B&Bs. 1850 at 333-103. John Paul taking your calls or if you want to text or WhatsApp, you can. You want me to go to this now? Um, okay, Billy is in uh, Bandon. Good morning to you, Billy. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you reckon every gangster in the country is changing their car reg? No, no, I didn't say that. But uh, I didn't say they changed their car reg. But, but you're also telling him now to see that oh, they're the checkpoint. 
Right? Yeah. So that's that's gone viral now at this stage anyway, <laughs> as if they didn't know it before. So you're saying... But, you're but what, I'm fa- what I'm saying is that, yeah. that they can go down, out, any, anywhere they see uh, an English registered car parked, they can steal that and they can drive to any checkpoint and nobody will say a word to them. <sighs> and, somebody said, and somebody said that uh, there a while ago that these people could be after moving over to Ireland yeah. and have their English registered cars. But is there any reason why they couldn't be carrying drugs as well? Ooh. Well, I... Okay, when when you're hearing from people saying that the guard... And we'll get this checked with the guard the corner. I don't know whether they they can't stop them, but they certainly can't say to somebody, if somebody's come, say, come from the north or come over from England and they're travelling around and there's a checkpoint and they get stopped, they can't be told you need to return. You know, the way we can be told you can't go beyond your five kilometres for exercise. Somebody on holidays or travelling in this country from Northern Ireland or from England can't be told you've got to go back because you've gone beyond your five kilometres. I don't know if it's correct to say that they can't be stopped and we will get that checked by Angarda Siakona. I think maybe when people are seeing cars being waved on they're just it just happens to be an English registered car. You know the way they won't stop every car and other cars will be moved on but I don't know if 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 they're not stopping all English registered cars, but well, we'll get that we'll get that checked just to be sure. But I don't want anybody thinking that this is a, a field day for gangsters to start putting English registers in their car and then they can go around and do what they like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of people could could possibly think that they could, you know. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, well, well and spotted thing, and well pointed uh, out. Go on. And another thing, there is the both the, the vanguard that was on. Yeah, and for the twelve-hour shift. The tw- the twelve-hour shift. Yeah. And somebody came up with the brilliant idea of a portaloo. Yeah. Right? And that was dismissed out of hand because it wasn't so practical. Yeah. But one of those portaloos would fit into one of those high roof bends that they have going around the place. And they haven't got that many checkpoints, and they have a lot more vans than they have checkpoints. So and I don't s- see why, why a portaloo couldn't be fitted into one of those checkpoints and put on the side of the road if they have to spend 12 hours on the road. Yeah. I also you think know? that they can, surely, they can factor in toilet breaks. For, particularly for the female guardie and the male guard that can you know surely go in behind a ditch or something but surely for the female they could factor in that every couple of hours they're allowed to drive to wherever the nearest town is you know a village wherever it is and, and use a loo it seems crazy yeah, that yeah, anybody yeah, it, anybody it would be out in, and, and in the hot we've had some wonderful days been expected oh, have, I yeah. mean she said in her text that, that she she doesn't drink for fear that she need to go to the toilet that's crazy. That's, that's crazy. Crazy. Like, that's crazy. In this day and age, in this day and age, it's totally unacceptable. That's infringing on somebody's human rights. I would, I, I dare I say. Is. All right, Billy. Is, listen, yeah. thank you for that, and uh, thanks okay, for joining yeah. us. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. C one zero three jobs. Part-time healthcare assistant with QQ one level five is required for Kilmallock while a motor vehicle technician is required for the Cork City area and a loading shovel driver is one of our construction sites that's in Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses 
at mallowcollege.ie. The Chihuahua store is delivering by drone. Order online and leave out a full basin for next day delivery. Radio paints a picture, tells a story and delivers a message. C103 is here to inform and entertain during this difficult time. Many Cork businesses are still open and need to talk to their customers. We can help. Even with social distancing, we produce and broadcast radio ads safely every day. At C103, it's business as usual. So you can get back to business. Whether it's Chihuahua drone delivery or simple cost-effective advertising solutions, email us today, sales at c103.ie or see our website. No Chihuahuas were hurt in the making of this, produced purely with sound effects and the power of radio. With C103. Now, yesterday, the Education Minister, Joe McHugh, held discussions with other education figures to explore the issues around the Leaving Certificate exams. With so much uncertainty surrounding this year's exams, I'm joined by the National Parents Council post-primary to see how parents and students are getting on. Paul Rolston is the Communications Director with the National Parents Council post-primary section. And Paul joins me. Good morning to you, Paul. Morning, Patricia. Paul, the level of stress, is it growing almost on a daily basis for these students and indeed for the parents? Absolutely. Uh, And I think that that is one of the the reasons why National Parents Council uh, post-primary and the Students' Union, in fairness as well, have been calling uh, for uh, these discussions and the urgency attached to having a look at um, other alternative assessment modules, which is what was announced uh, in the statement following the strategy group excuse me, meeting yesterday. Um, I think that as time goes by, there has been a lot in media uh, and press uh, in relation to the difficulties of potentially holding a postponed uh, leaving certificate on the 29th of July and other options really had to be explored and we very much welcome uh, the announcement yesterday that uh, alternative assessment modules are be- beginning to be discussed what what is your own group? What do you think is the fairest way? Um, well, from our point of view, I think we've always uh, indicated that there's a variety of problems uh, presenting to all students. Uh, I mean, right from the point of view of access to, to broadband, the disparity in that, uh, the supports, etc., that are there. So all students are different. This COVID um, dreadful uh uh, pandemic that is, has visited on us uh, is, is an unfair one to everybody. So everybody has different difficulties uh, and therefore we we don't think that it is possible to be specific on, on maybe one particular option. But options have to be explored uh, from the point of view of being fair to everybody. Our, our key aspect is first of all the most the biggest concern we have is to students' uh, mental wellness and the stress that they are experiencing and parents of course and that is definitely growing as time passes that's the first the second one is equality within that so that no student is penalized uh, by uh, the differences in availability of opportunity or facility uh, that has occurred because of covid and the fact that they can't be in their schools so uh, there may be a number of different a combination of different options that might be required so that everybody feels fairly dealt with there are certainly uh, there's, there's a significant number of students and parents uh, that, that are identified within the NPCPP survey and the ISSU survey uh, that would be in favour uh, 
um, of uh, assessment or estimated grading type models. But there are many students also who, who would prefer to sit an examination. Uh, I, for myself, would have to say that in my leaving certificate time, I probably didn't work quite as hard as I would do, and I built in and crammed towards the end. So the exams ultimately were where I wanted to land. Yeah. So we've got, we've got to And that's the same today. You'll, you'll still yeah, meet absolutely. students who do it. That's the way they've always studied. Yeah, well, I, I think that systems and the, and the senior cycle and the, the focus on education has tried to ensure that there is kind of uh, some form of ongoing assessment. But the nature of, of students and people generally is that we tend to be uh, focused on particular times. So there will be many students who, who will be focused on a leaving certificate as opposed to a two-year build-up gradually through that. Um, and there would be other students, in fairness, who would very much, uh, uh, you know, they're their best performance comes by way of a seated exam as opposed to other alternative uh, assessment units are over different times. So we've got to be cognizant of where the system at the minute is and that there's a, the variety of circumstances around all students and we've got to be fair to all of them. Yeah, and I think the, the, the words that, and, and you've used is it's, it's fairness. and it, Because we would have heard, since the pandemic started, we've heard from a number of Leaving Cert students we're doing their best uh, to study at home, but it's, you know, no two are in the same situation. You know, we, we would have students in very rural areas who don't have broadband, for example, and we would have heard from students who's, who are, have to look after younger siblings yep. because their parents are at work, so they're not in the ideal situation at home to be, to be able to study. And then there's, there's young people who are immune compromised who are terrified at the idea of sitting in an exam hall. Absolutely. And all of those things are, are similar all around the country. Um, so um, you have those issues that, that have, have occurred since the schools closed. But we're also very aware of the fact that between now and any, any East 29th of July or whatever other day that is choose, there are other students and other families who may fall into the same circumstances who haven't necessarily experienced some of them before. The broadband and IT issues, uh, we were very, National Parents Council uh, fought very hard on those and, and we, were, we welcomed very much the 10 million that was applied to assist people with that. But that doesn't deal with some of the broadband uh, deficiencies that are around either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so there, it's an unequal playing field and we've got to level this or the people making these decisions have got to level the playing field as best they can. It is an enormous problem. I don't think anybody can uh, say otherwise. Uh, it's It's not an easy... Um, problem to to address or solution to find, uh, but our students and our, our families uh, have been asked and have stepped up to the mark from the point of view of making alternative arrangements within this uh, pandemic. And I think that our, our educators and all of those who are attending uh, our, our the consultations at the moment in the, in the review group have got to do the same, and we've got to come up with. Uh, imaginative and different uh, propositions and solutions um, as the students and parents have got to do, have had to do, along with the teachers and schools uh, over the last few months. And dare I say sooner rather than later, because I think at this stage, Paul, students just need fairness and certainty. Yeah, for certain. That's from our point of view. Uh, we issued a statement uh, the, the other day which uh, which uh, uh, highlighted that exactly. I mean, we must now at this stage have clear routes to completion uh, and also a definitive conclusion date. So we, we need plans B, C, D. We need plans in place and options that uh, mean that uh, the students can uh, have and parents 
can have a, a definitive conclusion date so that we know that X, Y, Z by a certain date, uh, whatever the options that are chosen, there will be a, a completion at that stage. Uh, that's from the point of view of uh, being able to try and best manage the stress that's there at the minute, but it also uh, in, in considerations of uh, those who have to try and arrange the logistics for third level of further study and thereafter. What we've got to try and do is get back to reasonable normality as quickly as we can for our students, our young people and their families. Alistair wants to know, is this bringing into complete focus the, the whole way the Leaving Cert is run? And when, when all this is finished, do we need to look at the Leaving Cert going forward as an exam? I think in fairness, uh, uh, Patricia, we, there, there have been consultations for the last uh, couple of years, certainly, um, around um, leaving certificate senior cycle uh, and the models that we use. Um, and those consultations have included parents, students, teachers, management bodies, uh, third level educators and, and colleges, etc. as well. So there is a conversation that has been going on for, for some time. Uh, it does uh, uh, throw up the, the difficulties where you have uh, just a system that is based on one single terminal exam for certain. Um, and I think that uh, uh, that model, as I say, has been uh, has been looked at and is being considered and options are being considered. So those conversations have been happening for a little while, but this certainly demonstrates further, I think, that uh, uh, those con- consultations and conversations are well worthwhile. Okay, so when when will young people and students when will they get the certainty? When will we know for sure what's going to happen? Well, uh, one hopes as, as soon as possible. Uh, it's uh, I think there is it is a significant step that, that um, our strategy group is uh, discussing alternative assessment modes. I think reasonable time has got to be given. There is a variety of. of options that have been tabled by various different people. Uh, all of those options and combinations of uh, require a look at uh, the structures uh, and uh, uh, the required for delivery of those uh, So and frameworks around them. So we have got to give a little time for those all to be considered because at the end of the day, um, as well as considering and deciding on those, the logistics attached to delivery and the fairness attached to that has got to be the ultimate goal. So so that may take a little time. We all want clarity as soon as we possibly can, but equally we want to make sure that the decisions at the end of the day are fair to everybody. Absolutely. Um, you know, we do have, we have percentages, while there are quite uh, considerable percentages uh, in, in surveys done of people who want alternative options, there are a number of people who still wish to have the examination model and, and it's right that, that those people are taken into consideration. Because but they're, they are they're a smaller percentage. Well they certainly are but equally you know, in, uh, surveys are indicating 10 to 15 percent so those, they, they need to be considered and yeah. the bottom line is we have got to be fair to all students all, no student should be should suffer uh, deferential treatment uh, or at the hands of COVID. Uh, yeah. We've got to ensure that uh, there is no perfect solution. COVID is not a perfect world. Uh, we've got to look after uh, our, our our population and our students from our perspective in this particular matter. That they are the priority. And uh, moving them moving them through successfully to uh, a, a more normal world where they can continue their education or move on from this is critical. And are parents finding it tough, Paul? 
Yes, of course. I think it's, everybody is. Yeah. Yeah. This, co- this COVID pandemic and the world that we live in is very, very strange. It presents lots of, of, of difficulties and a variety of them for, for everybody. As you said earlier, everybody is different. So parents, families, students, they are difficulties. And you mentioned earlier there are many students around the country who have had to uh, move into supportive roles within their families, mm. Mm. Uh, you know, for a variety of different reasons. Uh, so everybody and, and parents are, but I, I think it is it is and should be acknowledged admirable the way our whole population, our students, our parents, and everybody have stepped up to the mark uh, in in uh, light of what is happening currently. Uh, it's uh, it, it's our duty. It's it's what we should be doing to support each other, and we've got to make sure that within these conversations and within our examination process, that all our students are treated fairly. Okay. All right. Listen, Paul, thank you for that and thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. My pleasure, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Stay safe. That is Paul Rolston, who is the Communications Director with the National Parents Council post primary section on the Leaving Cert. And at this stage, I think the young people just need uh, certainty. Some of your texts in on this. If the Leaving Cert doesn't go ahead in its present form, what will students have going forward if they decide to change courses, i.e., points? Uh, results etc so much has got to be worked out but I think either regardless of what the outcome whether my gut instinct tells me the exam is not going to go ahead in the format that we normally see the leaving cert on the what's been spoken about on the 29th of uh, July but it's what they will put in in place and how will they decide because I think it's something like 76% of our leaving cert students go on to third level education and we know what a rat race the point race is in this country so that uh, needs to be uh, sorted out. Hi Patricia, as a mother of a Leaving Cert student, all this talk on uh, radio, articles on TV is even making it more stressful for the students. They are aware that it will go ahead on the 29th of July and it will be down to the health of the country and how this pandemic is going. We cannot predict this now. This talk about having predictive grades are not right now is of no help to any Leaving Cert student. We're living in very, very uncertain times and all this talk is not going to fix it right now. Thanking you. The government are hoping to have a new timetable for Leaving Cert on the 1st of June. Can we not wait and see if that happens or not? Even though I think listening to Joe McHugh and the meeting that was held yesterday, I think they are very much hoping that within I would even say days rather than weeks they're hoping to have some definitive decision so that the young people can find out for once and for all what is happening 1850-333-103 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls a reminder it is Thursday so we will have pet questions after half past 12 today if some of the animals are sick in your household and uh, you've got a question you get it in for Jane you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Court today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education see the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie 
Infectious disease outbreaks like COVID-19 can be worrying, which may affect your mental health. However, there are many things you can do to mind your mental health during times like these. Stay informed, but set limits for news and social media. Exercise regularly, especially walking, but keep within two kilometers of your home. Keep regular sleep routines. Maintain a healthy, balanced diet and avoid excess alcohol. Practice relaxation techniques such as meditation and breathing exercises. Read a book. Search for online exercise or yoga classes, concerts, religious services or guided tours. Improve your mood by doing something creative. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. But I want to go to the phone lines um, because Crime Prevention Officer Sergeant James O'Donovan joining us for this week's Agar the File. Good afternoon to you, James. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome. And we can ask you the question now that a number of people are discussing on the programme today. When you do the guard the checkpoints, can you stop uh, somebody driving in a UK registered car? Yes, uh, Patricia, you, your listeners will, I suppose, need to know that every car approaching these checkpoints are stopped and inquiries are made as to where their movements are, are, are taking place. Are they legitimate and is there uh, a reason for their movements? I suppose the, the confusion is being that in the legislation that came out that uh, there was uh, the powers for the Gardaí to turn people back out of the state were being questioned and I, I believe that that's currently being looked at again but all traffic approaching the checkpoints is stopped and details of those uh, uh, I suppose drivers are being ascertained at, this, at the side of the road if people are concerned whether criminals will then I suppose maybe take advantage of this fact I suppose we make those, those decisions on the side of the road whether there is a criminal element with any drivers that are coming along and we've carried out a number of checks and we've had um, I suppose great success in, in, in the area of drug detections and people that are coming to these checkpoints. So just for your listeners there, every car that is approaching these checkpoints, the driver's details are ascertained at the side of the road and decisions are made at, from that point then on. And I know this time last week we were talking about Operation Fanock, particularly heading into the Maybank holiday weekend. Is that now finished or is that ongoing? No, Operation Fanock is ongoing again now for the weekend. Okay. And we have uh, again rolling checkpoints across the country until the 18th of May. So I suppose when... <laughs> There, there was a lot of media coverage, co- coverage, particularly coming up to the Bank Holiday weekends, when there would be particularly more movement of people, I suppose, expected. But the checkpoints in West Cork and in other divisions across the country are ongoing throughout the week, and they will be again for the weekend coming. Yeah, and we're still asked to stay at home and you only make a journey if it's absolutely necessary, all of those. Yes, and for clarity, uh, uh, Patricia, the movement restrictions are still in place. Yeah. There was only yeah. two changes, really. That was the over 70s, 70s that were cocooning could go for exercise and that the 2K went to 5K. But Other than it. that, there was everything, no change everything remains the restrictions the movements. OK, let's take a look at this week's uh, Garda file and we start with a burglary and this happened in Bohabui. Yes, in Bohabui there last Thursday, the 30th of April, uh, a burglary was reported to the Gardaí in Mill Street I suppose it's particularly strange that your man had left for work from the house and a number of hours later he came back and he found that the house was uh, burgled. We're looking for information in relation to a red Mazda that might have been seen around the Boherbui area around that time between half ten in the morning and half four that evening. Now I suppose this, we don't have any details of a red number but this particular red Mazda is an old Mazda and the colour has faded away to kind of a pink cover from being exposed in the sun. 
So that might tweak an, eye or a, a, an idea with someone that they might have seen a car saying, that's an old car, now with the colour fairly faded. And if anyone saw that car acting suspicious around the Boerbui area there, maybe last Wednesday or Thursday, but particularly Thursday, to contact the Gardaí in Mill Street in relation to that information. Um, we have a criminal damage incident then. Uh, there was a tractor parked up, I suppose, on the side of the road on the 30th of the same day, 30th of April last. And when the owner returned on the 1st of May, he found that the fire extinguisher had been left off inside in the cab of the tractor. Ah. So, uh, look, I suppose some people might say it would be the lesser form of criminal damage, but a fire extinguisher going off is very messy. And yeah, I suppose it's, it's very hard to clean for that injured party there. And we're appealing to anyone that would have been passing on that road from Clannacilty to Rossmore passing by the bailiff area to contact the Gardaí in Clannacilty okay. with any information. Gorse fires, unfortunately, still happening? Yes, unfortunately. Look, we uh, we are aware that the, the local authority in Cork County Council and, uh, and indeed every county council in the country do a campaign in relation to that there's no scrub burning allowed from the 1st of March on. Uh, unfortunately, I well, fortunately maybe, with the with the dry weather that we have been having, having there has been a number of instances where gas fires were lit. Now, with the weather that we've been having this week, there'd be no reason for anyone to attempt to do it. But, again, we just want to highlight to people that it is illegal to light any scrub vegetation on upland areas uh, from the 1st of March on. And if people see them, to report them to the fire service or to the Gardaí as well. Okay, and I mean, we have, there's a bit of rain this week, but I mean, we've had some very dry conditions and it's expected to be dry next week. These fires can take off very quickly. Yes, and uh, the unfortunate thing about it, when you have the fire service dealing with these fires, you're taking them away from other emergencies as well. And we've seen, uh, especially down in the Clarny Parks there over the recent months, that it can take up to eight and nine units of a fire service from across the county to bring these for um, under control yeah. and unfortunately I suppose in the last number of years with the build up of growth and natural growth that is there that these fires they, they, they will go out of control very fast and I remember last year there was uh, a lot of media coverage in relation to the fire up around Gugan Barra yeah, and yeah. it can be very hard to control and you're putting people's lives at risk and property at risk as well and we certainly don't want to be doing that going forward so just for people to bear in mind that it is illegal to carry out the, the scrub fires from the 1st of March last. OK, the problem of boy racers hasn't yes, gone away. Um, no, and I suppose it's particularly uh, frustrating this time when there is uh, movement restrictions as due to COVID-19. We've had a number of reports there, uh, particularly at night time, where it's commonly known as boy racers around the West Cork Division uh, from areas of Drina, Ross Carberry, into Skibreen, back into Domanway and North from McCroom as well. Um, there's groups of up to 20 cars meeting and uh, driving around the division. But we just wanted to know there that for people, if they do hear these, um, I suppose, groups around the area to contact their local Gardaí, we are targeting these re- these reports with a view of prosecuting these drivers if they are in breach of any road traffic regulations as well. And I suppose for those people that maybe are participating in this kind of activity, we want them to know that there can be ramifications uh, down the line, if you are prosecuted for road traffic offences, that, you know, there is employment um, avenues down there that you're cutting off if you have yeah. road traffic convictions and you need a clean licence. It's a requirement. A lot of companies want a clean licence now. And just be mindful of that, that if you are prosecuted for dangerous driving or careless driving or speeding or uh, particularly in an element where there is boy racing, 
it can have ramifications. It can, co- it can come back to problems. haunt you in years yes. in years to come. Silage season is upon us. Yes, I suppose we're just trying to remind people there, especially, I suppose, with the restrictions and a lot of people are out exercising. We want contractors, number one, to have all their uh, machinery in order and so forth, and the majority of them do. But we also want them to be made aware that there's extra pedestrians out there now. Uh, the schools are finished. That be, they're, they're finished until next September now that we're aware of. And there's a lot of people out exercising at all times of the day with, with small children. They're not in school anymore. These machineries are, are very big. The trailers are gotten considerably big in the last five or six years. And we just want silage contractors and the farmers to be aware that there, there may be extra pedestrians out there. And as well for the farmers to put signs up when they are doing the contract that it's no harm to let other traffic know that there's heavy machinery crossing a road or on the road for the foreseeable number of days drawing silage and hopefully that will negate any serious accident going okay. forward. Okay, well done. And, and we mentioned how the restrictions are still in place for, for COVID-19 but an issue you've, you're noticing and we certainly are getting calls about it, it's the disposing of the disposable gloves. Yes, it's, it's not a, a nice the, thing to see. It's littering. It is basically a littering offence. Um, and the Cork County Council and ourselves can issue fines in relation to this. Um, we certainly don't want to, I suppose, we are glad that people are wearing the gloves in line with the HSE guidelines, but when we see that the gloves are being disposed of on the side of the road and the side of the streets and being thrown out of car windows and stuff like that, it's, it's not acceptable. We just want people to be mindful that when they're disposing the gloves to do so properly. OK, and also we would uh, have calls in from people saying there's house parties going on in their area. We need to get the message out to, to young people that we're never going to get rid of this coronavirus unless people start playing ball. Yes, and look, we're, I suppose we have to listen to what we're being guided by the HSC and our, by our, um, I suppose the guidelines that are there. We're here on restrictions until the 18th of May. Again, the coronavirus is only being moved by people. Mm. Um, and people need to adhere to the restrictions. And in particular, we are, we are coming across areas where there's young people, um, in particular, going to these parties and meeting up. We just want parents to play an active role. We're not saying all parents, but we're, we, we are aware that there are some people out there that are, are attending parties. And we, if we want this to stop, the sooner we... I suppose, adhere to these restrictions, the sooner we'll be able to get back to some form of normality down the line. Well, it tied in, I think, when Dr Tony Houlihan yesterday was announcing the figures of the additional new cases that they announced yesterday. And he said, like, there's a persistently high volume of newly infected people uh, emerging from the community, and many of them are young people. Yes. So they're spreading the virus amongst themselves and then passing it on to people in the vulnerable groups who, you know, ultimately, it could be their granny... You know, who are their granddad or their parents you know, could lose their life because of it. And, and it's, it's not crazy. even that they're tying up resources, you're putting the nurses uh, dealing with other, um, I suppose, people that are going to contact the virus. If people adhere to it, you're just going to lessen the amount of people that are going to get contacted. And our resources can deal with it, our HSC can deal with it, the hospital can deal with it, which they are capably doing at the moment. But we just certainly want to keep that curve down. And I, that's where we're asking people. Just for the next couple of weeks going forward and months, I. Look, the restrictions are there till the 18th of May and the guidelines are there that at the 18th of May they're going to look at it again 
and please God that people will have adhered to the restrictions enough that we can move forward yeah. to the easing of the restrictions. Yeah, and then we'll ease more as we go into the next three weeks and the next phase yeah. and, and the next phase. When you started out talking about uh, boy racers, somebody says, as boy racers, it's going on in Rossmore and Ballinacorriga three nights of the week, a uh, weekend, people cannot sleep. Do you suggest to people that they ring their local guard the station if they're aware of it? R- ring the local guard the station. Um, I suppose what we're doing is we have a lot of our resources tied up with COVID-19 I suppose operations at the moment but what we want people to do is to contact us we can't unfortunately be on every by road in the country at the moment but we can be able to put a plan in place and work with our roads policing units and target these areas if we are aware of a situation in particular areas in Rossmore and so forth we will target that areas and then we'll try and uh, intercept these groups of, um, I suppose, boy racers as such and educate them, number one, but also deal with them if they are committing offences. Okay. But I think it's very important that we get that information to the guard station so we can allocate the resources effectively. OK, and finally, James, you're thankful to the public for their continued support. Yes, look, I suppose we've, over the last number of weeks, and I've said, I've said it every week on your show, Patricia, what we're getting from the public and the response in relation to reporting suspicious activity and the various community groups, again, I'm, I'm left dumbfounded sometimes of the way the, the community has responded to this health crisis, and we just want to say a sincere thanks to all of them. I just want to finish with the Kinsale Youth Services below here with our own James O'Mahony, the JLO, is worked does a lot of work with them. They're hosting, um, I suppose, instead of the Pieta House Walk, which would normally go ahead on the 9th of May this weekend, mm. they're holding uh, an emergency vehicle uh, drive-by in Kinsale. So okay. we'll have basically all the emergency vehicles from all the emergency services, from ourselves in Garcia Corner to the HSC, to the Coast Guard, um, to the Civil Defence, to the RNLI. I hope I'm not forgetting anyone. What a great idea. They're all taking place there in yeah. half four on Saturday morning in Kinsale. They're going to do a couple of laps of the town with the blue lights on. It's with the blue lights. Uh, it's the blue light drive for the Pieta House. And obviously we'd have to adhere to the restrictions and the gatherings of people. But we just want people to aware that we are, I suppose, marking what should normally be a very good event for the Pieta House and the walk. But we're doing it by way of social distancing with well, a, a vehicle well, and, and I know Pieta House are asking people to share a sunrise moment at 5.30 yes. on uh, Saturday morning by using the hashtag DIL2020 and please God the Darkness Into Light which is, a tr- which is an incredible fundraiser every single year it'll be back with us next year bigger and better than ever but we can do our bit this year for the wonderful work of Pieta House I totally agree with you Listen well done and we'll talk again James stay safe Stay safe. And mind yourself, take care. That is Crime Prevention Officer in West Cork, uh, Sergeant James O'Donovan. 1850-333-103. Lines are open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And I mentioned Fieta House and their Darkness Into Light event that's happening this Saturday. Their Sunrise event. You can donate uh, to them by going on their website www.pietahouse.ie and Canturk GAA are also fundraising for Pieta House by travelling 
3,333 kilometres, which is the length of their journey in 2017 on their road to success. And they'll do it between 5.30am on May the 9th, which is Saturday morning, and 5... 30 p.m. on May the 30th and they're asking people to run or walk some of the journey with them and to donate by going to their GoFundMe page that's through their Facebook or Instagram stories and that's Canturk GAA and don't forget collections for penny dinners are going ahead in Newmarket and Canturk this Saturday this is the Bus Aaron Bus will be in Newmarket from 12.30 to 1.30 with collection points at Supervalue, the post office and Hannan's petrol station in Newmarket. Then the bus will travel on to Canturk. They'll be in Canturk between half past one and half past two. Collection points in Canturk are at Spar and two weeks Supervalue. And this is this great campaign that's underway by the bus air and bus uh, drivers to fill a bus four penny dinners and it's been hugely successful which is uh, terrific and 23 Duhalo GAA teams male and female are competing this weekend for the title of fittest team it's to raise funds for Canturk and Mill Street Community Hospitals Rathcool Air Ambulance and the Burren Chernobyl Project the team with the most kilometres over the weekend will be crowned the winners and you can donate to their GoFundMe page check it out on Duhalo fittest GAA club Cork today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education see the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie The Chihuahua store is delivering by drone Order online and leave out a full basin for next day delivery Radio paints a picture tells a story and delivers a message C103 is here to inform and entertain during this difficult time. Many Cork businesses are still open and need to talk to their customers. We can help. Even with social distancing, we produce and broadcast radio ads safely every day. At C103, it's business as usual. So you can get back to business. Whether it's Chihuahua drone delivery or simple cost-effective advertising solutions. Email us today, sales at c103.ie or see our website. No Chihuahuas were hurt in the making of this, which is purely with sound effects and the power of radio. With C103. And some of your texts and uh, comments. Keep the questions for Jane Pickett, our resident vet. Comment, please, 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Some reaction to uh, Sergeant James O'Donovan, who joined us for this week's uh, Guard the File. My God, Patricia, we all could do with Guard the Sergeants like James, uh, especially in Mallow. Get him, get him to deal with some of the house parties that are going on, says Chris in uh, Mallow. There seems to be house parties. and we, we, I don't know how we will ever get people to stop having the house parties they just seem to be the longer the lockdown goes on the more people I think are just getting complacent with it and deciding we'll have all the gang over and we'll have the friends over on Friday Saturday night and uh, the more of it's happening unfortunately and the longer it happens the longer we're going to be in lockdown because we won't get rid of COVID-19, the more the people are meeting up and socialising with groups outside of their family. And to try and put it into perspective, it's just how serious it is. Nora contacted us to say, and th- these are her words, I've been through hell the last 14 days. Nora says, my son and his partner both ended up COVID-19 pos- positive. My son's partner is a nurse. She obviously 
contracted it at work and then brought it home. People need to take a long, hard look at themselves if they think that this pandemic is nearly over. We need to get more respect also for our frontline workers and for the Gardaí. We also need to stick with social distancing. We're a long way from this pandemic being over, says Nora, and hopefully things are getting better for you now. It's a, a tough, tough thing to watch. Two, and two people in the one household come down with COVID-19. That really is uh, tricky. And then on the boy races that James spoke about, Texter says, tell the Gardaí to come out and see all the rounds, the donut marks left on the roads and they'd know exactly where to put checkpoints to try to uh, catch people that are doing these boy racers and the stupidity of it and then the noise that it creates and people in rural areas, living in rural areas not being able to uh, sleep. But as James says, if it's happening because somebody says three nights of the weekend, people can't sleep. Uh, pick up the phone and ring your local guardian if you have to ring them every night. Um, do. Staying on guardian and this is tying in with the Garda who contacted us, the female Garda doing a 12-hour shift and not being able to drink water because nowhere for her to go to the toilet and the only way she would be able to go to the toilet is she she obviously doesn't drive. The male, One of the male colleagues would have to drive her 10 minutes to go to the toilet. So what she does instead is she just doesn't drink fluids, uh, afraid to drink so that she doesn't have to go to, to, to the loo, so that she doesn't need to go to the loo. Micah says, Patricia, a very good Garda friend of mine was once upon a time dropped off on a lonely crossroads up in the west of Ireland checking tax insurance and for baldy tyres. The call of nature came upon him and he jumped over the fence. Ironically, at the same time, his sergeant came along to see how he was getting on and my man was missing. Next morning, he was nearly sacked. The sergeant was accusing him of not remaining at his post. We've many of good, a good laugh over it since he has successfully finished his service and is now enjoying his retirement. But it's a story that I always think of when I am thinking of him, says uh, Michael. The call of nature got him. Would Thank you, Michael. Someone else says, Patricia, would people stop complaining about over 70s and you going out when you have people who are travelling to their holiday homes and beaches and they're not supposed to be going more than fly, five kilometres. It's about time that people stopped picking on the over 70s. Hi Patricia, I know of a man who was on holidays in West Cork from Sydney in Australia. He's not allowed back to his home country till the pandemic is lifted. He loves West Cork. He stayed indoors. He gets to the supermarket to deliver his groceries. Well, he'd only have to self-isolate for two weeks once the two weeks are up. I'm assuming he's, he's out now and enjoying. And what a great place to be stuck, in fairness, in West Cork. So I hope he's having a, a, a nice time. Hi, Patricia. I've, I really feel, and this is rather said tongue-in-cheek when you hear the rest of the text, I really feel for the Garda who contacted you on her 12-hour shift and have no worries. She has no worries about a paycheck. While a lot of us don't know how we're going to pay next month's mortgage, we have no idea if and when we will go back to work. And she complains about a bit of abuse at the roadside from a few people who are probably on their knees. And does she really expect us to believe that she does a 12-hour shift and she doesn't have breaks. That's from Mike in um, Bantry. I, well, Mike, nobody deserves abuse. When people are there doing their jobs, it's like when we spoke, that was it last week, the week before, about the people in supermarkets. Eugene Scally, remember, came on from Scally Supervalue and Tana Kilty talking about staff members being abused. You know, people are doing their jobs and, and I accept the tempers get frayed, but nobody deserves to go to work 
be they on the front line as a member of Angarda Shia Khan or a nurse or a doctor or on the front line in a supermarket or a petrol station or in a bank or in a credit union nobody deserves to be abused by a, a member of the public nothing will pay you for that for sure Hi Patricia people don't realise oh this is on the UK registered cars people don't realise that a lot of UK cars driving around the West Cork area were actually bought in by Irish people and they haven't been able to get them re-registered due to the pandemic. Is that, is that, I hadn't thought about that. And a lot of people do go to Northern Ireland and do go across the water, and not at the moment, but do go over to England and Wales, for example, to purchase cars and bring them in. And then you get a certain period of time in which to re-register them and get the Irish number plates on them. I didn't realise that that's been affected, but obviously all that those offices are closed down the same way that you can't get your NCT and you can't get your driver's licence. Is that affected in the same way? Wasn't aware of that. But it may explain why there's more UK, why people are saying there's more UK cars on the road. And Anne says, well, people stop complaining about other people and mind their own business. And someone else says, busy body informers. That's what they are. And that was, that came in as a direct result of Liam, who contacted us to say he knows a man over 70 who was driving over the five kilometres to go to another beach nearby to go for a daily uh, swim. And uh, Liam was given out about him doing that and saying that he should only be go to a nearer beach that's only five kilometres away. And I said, a man over 70 is going for his swim. Leave him alone. <laughs> Leave him alone. People said they're busy bodies, busy, busy body people. That's what they are. Mind your own business is what we're getting in. John in Clonakilty on the Garda who's there for 12 hours and not able to go to the toilet. Patricia, under health and safety, that Garda and anybody else is entitled to go to the toilet when they need to. Your employer is responsible for your welfare. And if you are a member of Garda Shikona, you're employed by the state. Who'd be your direct line? The minister? Would it be the Minister for Justice? But anyway, uh, John says, shouldn't be happening. Nobody should be asked to go 12 hours without being allowed a toilet break. On hairdressers and barbers shops, the discussion that we had earlier on, Ruth says, I personally think people getting their hair done and styled, cut and dyed, that should be one of the very last on the list to be reopened as we come out of lockdown. Have people any cop on this? What we should all be focused on is getting a cure for the virus or at least a vaccine. That is the most important thing that should be on our minds and not the luxury of getting your hair styled and cut, etc. And what if, what if your hair is too long? There won't be any need to worry about it because you're not going anywhere and you certainly there won't be any need to worry about it if you ended up picking up coronavirus your hair and the state your hair is in would be the last and the furthest thing on your mind says uh, Ruth so everybody kind of take a bit of a chill pill on the hairdressers please and hi Patricia says another listener I was just I'm just worried that businesses are pushing to open up before the recommended date. For example, we've got the Vintners on behalf of the pubs looking to reopen earlier. Only on your programme today, we heard hairdressers and barbers want to reopen earlier. The dates are there for a reason. And if all businesses are pushing to open before the recommended date, we might as well lift all the restrictions now and all of our good work will be for nothing. Please listen to the government and the expert and don't be pushing them any further than they already are. We just live with this. We're getting on nicely with the kind of thing. Just continue 
doing as we're doing and we will get there one day. And someone else says, nobody ever died for the want of a haircut. Only when it's safe to do so should we be returning. Also, the that sector and the tourism, trade and hospitality need VAT to be cut by the government. It's one of the causes that are coming in. Zero rate is actually one of the ones that's actually been uh, mentioned. And then on the banning of the cigarettes, remember we spoke about this earlier, a couple of people ran about this saying, why are they banning menthol fags so somebody has uh, put it the government are doing this and they're only a caretaker government they're not because it's it's an EU they're banned across the EU as well so it isn't something that the government are doing the only reason it's I think it's kind of going under the radar and a lot of people were aware about it it's from the 20th of May so you can't blame the government because they're banned across all EU countries so it's obviously coming from the EU on car insurance and refunds Mary says Patricia on in car insurance. I'm with Liberty but read on Sunday's paper that Liberty customers have to ask for the rebate. Oh, I'll get John Paul to check that. I wasn't aware of that. So could you please remind listeners of that. Also about the Gardaí on checkpoint duty for 12 hours. I work out of doors and have to use the open spaces for toileting needs quite often. Fuzz are in full bloom and they give great cover. But please tell <laughs> that female guard to social dis- distance with the furs uh, please yeah thank you thank you for that Mary uh, 1850 333 103 Tim and Bandon we don't need people coming into our country during lockdown lockdown should mean and in bold capitals lockdown what is wrong with this government freight and supplies are all that should be allowed forget about repatriation says Tim there will be time for that when coronavirus is stopped if people have to come into this country they should be picked up at the airports and the ferry ports taken into isolation for two weeks almost go under house arrest otherwise we're never ever going to win this battle and then another text in a follow up from a something that came in last week from a listener who doesn't want me to use their name which is fine saying Patricia hi I messaged you last week about my broadband being dropped to one megabyte and that was due to Imagine the company that this person is with said was overuse he said it was going over fair uses fair use usage uh, all I have now is an acknowledgement email got it last Thursday saying that they've opened a ticket and that somebody will call me I don't quite know what they mean by opening a ticket but it's obviously some kind of uh, an appeal. Meanwhile, my lads and this this household has young, has teenagers. Still can't do anything on, online. I think one's in college and one's a student. Uh, one's in, in school. It's just crazy. Not been able to do anything online. Now, I've registered a complaint with Comreg who have emailed Imagine on my behalf on Tuesday and they now have 10 working days to respond to Comreg and myself. I didn't, I don't know if I'll get anywhere but they process, but they process the to register a complaint. But the process to register a complaint with Comrec is both free and very straightforward. I recommend that anyone who's in the same position as myself register a complaint with Comrec. I've never been a complainer before, but I really do feel my provider imagine are out of order on this one. The more people who speak up and say it's wrong, then maybe they'll start to take notice. By the way, they've just sent me a bill for fifty nine ninety nine, which is the monthly payment in advance. Oh. 
God, that's just adding insult to injury. And I'm assuming that you're in some kind of a contract with them that you can't get out of, or if you do try to get out of, it will cost you. But that's good to know because I know when we read out your original text last week, you weren't the only. We heard from others who said they were hearing from their provider about fair usage. And I know I was talking to John Paul in the office and we were looking at getting one of the TDs. Our senators was talking about bringing this up and we were talking about looking into it because other people are caught with that either from working at home or having students at home or just having young people at home and everybody's using the internet more and it does seem unfair that people are getting picked on because they've gone over what the companies deem uh, fair usage. It does seem very unfair but that's good to know that the process is a very simple one with Comreg if you want to complain. So do register your complaint if you feel you have been unfairly treated by your broadband uh, provider. 1850 If you have a question for our resident vet, get it into us. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Fon Sawalcha, Lassie 103. The COVID needig on shut in air and I guess come with Fonak Sawalia con which vein Agasakela a cousins. Machan to Dolomachan be a no cookasa all. Fon Garvader air alive Ogrina Ella. Bigi Olive Lalista Shupadorata, I guess Nabi Brazal. Matatur Dolomon Akliach the Tavamwe, Fon of Oskut, Garkilameter than Bale. Big need the love niece Minica, let Galinach Agasishke. Nabi a glagan laver de Aidan, Agus Mata Kasach no sneefer dogget, Dane i de Illen. Mata tu oskan shachto, fan Somali and Tamar fad. Kamala dini a well rochlaish e dull do if la fada. Kam with the lig e fanak Somalia, Agus beanse dacker lena pashti. Agnadin dharma gulk lor ruddy spreel the den of low. Tayrash krigna bun ruddy, Kasula alina, cardiacht, Agus mirna mari. Fan savolte, fan Somalia. Lahai Tilla Olish, Fon Lin, Air C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Can I give a quick shout out to the Alzheimer Society because today should have been their 26th annual traditional tea day for Alzheimer's uh, should have been taking place uh, today. So what they're doing instead, they're asking people to host a tea day at home. You can connect up with family and friends on the phone, on screen or online. And then they're asking people to donate four euro by text. Or if you want to give more, you can. You can go online by visiting www.tday.ie and they do have a new helpline service which is expanded to a new free callback service which offers people with dementia or family carers anywhere in the country an opportunity to book a one-on-one session with dementia nurse or dementia advisor which is a fantastic uh, service well done and there that's available at 1-800-341-341 but the best of luck to everybody who could do your bit today for the Alzheimer's Society and their National Tea Day. And please God, this time next year, they'll be back bigger and better than ever. Time for our pit corner. Let me go uh, to Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. Good afternoon, Jane. Hi there. Uh, You're very welcome. Let me get straight in with questions that have come in. I've had a letter in the post from a listener to say, could you please ask Jane, your vet? I have a Doberman. He's 10 years old. He has a problem with, or she has a problem with wetting her bed. She doesn't appear to have control and she's wetting whenever she lies down. Now, is that something you'd be concerned about? 
Yeah, I, th I think I would be. I think particularly when we get into our elder years and, and certainly 10 years of age for a Doberman is it's really good going. Um, but we, we would be, let's say, in our, in our twilight years. We can begin to encounter, very much like humans, some problems with bladder continence. Now, there's a number of different reasons for this. If it's something that's come on quite quickly, one would wonder whether there might be a little infection in the bladder, a little water infection or something that might be making it a, a little bit uncomfortable when we're, let's say, moving from a sitting to a standing position. I don't know if you've ever had a bladder infection but it can be quite a tender thing um so Agony. it might just be making that yeah absolutely and it can maybe sometimes just make that urgency to pee a little bit stronger than usual and they might struggle to hold it um, but a lot of the time they'll be aware they're peeing themselves if that's the case now far more common in particularly our older ladies um is uh, just a little bit of loss of, of continence so the the little kind of almost uh, a sphincter so the little kind of holder that holds the pee inside in the bladder just becomes a little bit weaker over time and some of those can be due to hormonal changes as well as aging um now sometimes they can classically pee when they're lying down or when they're moving from different positions and it's unconscious so they they don't really know they're peeing themselves now, it might not be bothering them too much emotionally, but it can become a problem from the point of view of when they begin to soy themselves, the urine can actually, it can kind of scald the skin. It can be quite an uncomfortable thing um, if, if the skin is particularly wet over and over again. And we can see some infections in the, in the rear end sometimes in the skin. It can become quite tender back there. So I think it definitely needs dealing with. Now, I think visit, speak to your vet first of all. They may well suggest a visit or a urine sample. And they'll need to decide just how from taking a little bit more history from you, whether it's something that they're aware of that she's peeing herself or unaware that she's peeing herself. And there are lots of things we can do. For example, if it was an infection, we may need to take a sample and we may well be able to treat that. And sometimes if it's, let's say, a hormonal problem in our latter years, as the lady dogs do sometimes have, um, there are some treatments that we can give them to, to reduce the frequency with which they accidentally pee themselves. So there's lots of things that can be done. Um, so I think speak to your local vet. Yeah. Don't, and, and don't worry. I think people panic when something like yeah. that happens. Okay. Absolutely. Hi, hi, says the listener. I've got a Jack Russell. He eats everything and chews all he can find. He's eaten my timber fencing. He's even had to go with oh, some wow. of the slabs in the garden. Garden. He's a one-year-old. What to do with him, please? Oh dear. <laughs> um, right. Typical Jack Russell. Um, other breeds that would come to mind for this particular behaviour are Labradors. They like to eat everything. Um, it can be really frustrating because they're having a, a great old time rooting around and destructing your your objects around the house. But it can be very dangerous for them. So I would be really, really worried. I think of a lot of these dogs as ticking time bombs for having having foreign body surgery or having eaten something that they may not have been meant to, to eat that might cause them problems later in life. So I think definitely discouraging the behaviour at this point is really, really important before he does himself and your property more damage. Um, I think a lot of the time you may actually need to restrict his access at least temporarily to the areas where he does the most destruction or where the areas where things that like paving slabs and chunks of wood from fencing um that he could do himself a lot of damage until you get their behavior a little bit under control so just keeping everyone safe is really important sometimes it can be purely destruction and it's habit and it's their own form of entertainment but we really need to channel all of that energy into something a lot more constructive and safer so I think distraction is really a good tactic sometimes they can do this out of boredom or if they just don't have a lot of let's say mental exercise um, so I think distraction and wearing them out is, is a good thing so lots lots of kind of play in the back garden I would normally say lots of walks but currently during COVID that's a, a little bit more difficult um, with the current restrictions but I would say lots of play 
engaging lots of play with you and the family in the background chasing ball tug of war lots of different things to keep that brain active and motivated i think the other thing is replacement so try and give him something really interesting that he can engage in those chewing and biting behaviors with so the thing that will come to mind is is um a fairly indestructible toy um called a kong or or a toy that is like that it's essentially a stuffable toy so it's really robust you can get extra extra tough versions and the idea is that you stuff the inside of it with food or little bits of its own kibble or super super nice treats and you can even seal it over with something like a little bit of cream cheese just a skim of that just be mindful that if your dog doesn't have any dietary intolerances or has it a sensitive stomach you just need to be a bit careful what you put in there a good starting point is always their own kibble and maybe some of their own treats now that will kind of get them motivated having to bite and roll the toy so it distracts them and they engage in some of the behaviors that it sounds like he's engaging with with the the paving slabs and the wood but in a much safer fashion and if he gets really good at getting the kibble out of the center of it and he gets super quick pop it into the freezer because the freezing just makes everything a lot more solid and you'll get another an hour or two out of out of what you've done so i think really distraction keeping and trying to break the behavior yeah and lisa in carrick tool and i imagine this could be a problem for others any advice for pets who are putting on weight during lockdown it's a mixture of lack of the long walks and extra food and scraps from around the house I, I'm going to be totally honest here and say that I see this with my own dog. One of my own dogs, Sally, is beginning to pile on a little bit of chub because she's normally going on loads of walks and now all of a sudden we're very much restricted in where we can go. Um, it's really tough um, and I think the temptation is when they're around the house with you, you want to keep them happy and entertained so treats are the logical option. Um, I think really we all just have to, me included, exercise a bit of restraint. So I think if you uh, kind of allocate yourself at in the morning a small handful of treats or uh, even use some of their kibble that they would normally have in in their in their dinner um, and minus that out of their food for the evening so take it out of their kind of let's say normal quantity of food that they would have on a normal day um, and feed them that as treats other things you can do are everything everything in moderation essentially other good really low fat treats that have a good crunch to them is little little bits of carrot some dogs really take to that. Uh, I've, I've also had one patient in the past who was a great lover of watermelon. So, you know, be a little bit creative, but just double check that what you're giving them is safe and non-toxic. So there are a lot of lower fat treats that you can give them. Um, you may well need to venture into cutting down their daily intake a little bit. If they are chubbing up a little bit, I normally suggest reducing their daily intake by about 10 to 20 percent is a slow and steady rate. And it may well temper the, let's say, lack of activity, burning off the calories that we're having at the moment. I think there's lots of things you could do in the house to keep them really active. So very similar to our last caller, you know, keeping them mentally engaged, engaging in some training. You can even, if you look it up on the internet, you can even do some basic agility training with lots of things you might have in the back garden. And that's really great for burning calories, both for, for them and for you. Um, and really just kind of playing with them, engaging, chasing ball, try and get that activity in and short bursts are the best because they're, they're kind of, um, attention span might not be the best and, particularly and the, if it's something new the that they're one, engaging in you need to have everybody in the house on board uh, particularly if you're if you're oh yes. okay we'll leave it there have a lovely week we'll chat next week jane
Thanks Thank for you. that. Bye bye. Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street uh, Veterinary Group. That's where I leave you for today. Thank you to somebody who's just checked in to say the Scotland have extended their lockdown for a further three weeks. They had a further 59 deaths uh, today. Goodness me. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your calls. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday afternoon and stay safe. Court today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Every Friday we're counting down to the weekend. The weekend by turning up the feel good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you 6 hours of feel good greatest hits. Join Nick Richards from 1 and Martina O'Donoghue from 4. As we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turning up the feel good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from 1. Feel good Friday. Only on C103. COVID-19 continues to impact on our day-to-day lives. We want to remind you of some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid any contact with people from outside of your household. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow all advice issued by the HSC and the government. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.